everyone. Welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy, and you probably are too. I'm Lindsay. Hi. I'm here with Tegan, and we're here to talk nerdy to you, or talk about nerdy stuff, or geek out, or whatever we do nowadays. Um, I know it's been a little bit of a break, so thank you for your patience with us. Um, we are back. We are ready. We are um, ready to nerd out about things. And uh, today's episode is uh, kind of a general uh, jump right back into talking to you about moments in our geekdoms fandoms that gave us the feels. Now, we've talked about this uh, probably like on the surface quite a few times in different episodes because, you know, we like to talk about things that give us the feels no matter what it is. Um, kind of the thing about our fandoms is that there's something in there that we relate to, that uh, we can see ourselves on the screen, or that we can see something that really speaks to us. But this episode is specifically about those moments that gave us the feels. Now, um, even uh, very recently, there was a Facebook post about something that uh, is kind of near and dear to my heart. I had a, I have, I have a younger sister, so I'm, I kind of count as a '90s kid, um, even though I was born in the '80s. And to be fair, a lot of times when you're talking about those eras, I, I think Tegan and I have actually talked about this, where um, you don't really get into the '80s until late '80s, and you don't really get mm -hmm. into the '90s until late '90s. But growing up, there was this show called Blues Clues. Apparently, it's still on television, and um, or maybe it's Nickelodeon, maybe it's streaming on Nick Live, I don't know. Um, but the first rendition of Blue's Clues had um, a gentleman in the show named Steve. And it's the 24th, 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues uh, very recently. So there was a video that posted on, on Facebook, uh, which is where I saw it, but I'm sure it was also like on all kinds of other medias. But um, he is addressing 90s kids. Like he's addressing the kids that he, uh, essentially, if you don't know the story, he went on to go further his career somewhere else. Um, so the character kind of just like got on a bus and went to college and left all of us kids sitting there like, uh, now we got to get used to this other guy who hangs out with Blue. And of course, Blue and everybody in the whole Nicktoon universe there is ageless and timeless. But you know, Steve got older and went to college. And then um, there have been quite a few other people with different shirts and different uh, lingo and different things to say and do to kind of age with the times, um, as you do. But Steve sort of just left us. And this video, he like addresses all of the like millennials that he abandoned. And it's it was like stupid because I was crying while I was watching him. <laughs> Uh, talk to us and he was saying you know this let's talk about that for a minute and I'm so glad that we can still be friends and I'm really proud of you and what you're doing and you look great by the way like it was super <laughs> sweet and I was just like oh this is it's like how dare you make me feel like, like this, this. <laughs> yeah this is what we needed like you know 10 20 years ago but hey better late than never right yeah um but like that kind of feeling like that feels is what we're going to talk about right now. Um, more specifically, I suppose, with fandoms and stuff, I guess Blue's Clues isn't really a fandom, is it? Uh, okay. It's close Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
let's talk about moments that gave us the feels. Yes, yes. So uh, real quick before we jump in, obviously um, I had to pull up a gaming relevant gaming corner thing for this. And Yes, of course. Uh, now, obviously, with the release of Mass Effect Legendary Edition earlier this year, I've been replaying through the trilogy kind of slowly but surely because, you know, obviously I take breaks and play other things too. And funny thing is I had started with Mass Effect 1 because that was on Game Pass when I had gotten it for like a dollar so I was like okay cool I'll check it out just to see how it is how it plays if I could even like you know adjust to the play style and enjoy it and so I played that and then I ended up beginning Mass Effect 2 and then Mass Effect 3 like I knew the story I knew what happened because you know I'm a spoiler hound I'm always reading everything and so I was like it was 2020 by the time I got around to where, you know, finishing up Mass Effect 2. And I was like, I really don't think now is the time to play Mass Effect 3 <laughs> with everything going around. It, it seems almost a little too depressing. So I actually moved on to Andromeda and had a bunch of fun playing that one. But with playing Melee, I've come back around and now I'm facing down Mass Effect 3. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to finally go through with this huh, now. <laughs> um, ah, just there's so many moments. It's Mass Effect 3 story wise is just so jam packed full of action, 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 action. Like there's it feels like there's not really much room to breathe, which is kind of the point of the whole of the game itself. Um, so you don't get a lot of pauses here and there to kind of just sit down and drink it in you pretty much just get one in the citadel dlc but that's about it but uh there's so many just really good feels moments granted um certain moments might not pan out like if certain characters have not survived to that point because that is totally possible to kill off most if not all of your companions from previous games but uh, I think one of the most impactful scenes was Morden Solus. Um, for a little bit, little bit of background, Morden Solus is one of the sci uh, Solarian scientists who worked on the Genophage to uh, not sterilize, but basically drastically reduce the population growth of the Krogan. And you know, obviously, not very good, like borderline genocide here. And so, throughout Mass Effect Two. You know he's kind of coming around to like you know this was a mistake what i did and i'd like to correct it i like to correct it properly and in mass effect 3 you do have a chance to undo it he has a chance to undo it uh unfortunately the solarian ambassador kind of gets involved and like almost messes up the whole the whole mission and it comes down to you know, if you let Solus know, then he will go and he will ex he will have to execute it manually. But in doing that, he'll have to sacrifice himself. And this whole moment, oh my God, it's it's so it gives you goosebumps whenever he like gets on that elef that final elevator ride to go up to the control panel. And it's just like literally every time I've seen it, I can't help but cry when he just looks at you and be like, "Had to be me." Someone else would have gotten it wrong. And it's just like, no, but Morden, don't go. It's, mmm. It just, Bioware really knows how to gut punch you right in the feels. <laughs> I, I swear. This isn't the only time they've done it, especially not in Mass Effect 3, but it's probably the one that's really, that really sticks with fans the most. Because you can just say that one line, it had to be me, and everybody will just instantly, it's like you're right back in that moment watching it happen again. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, 
and I, I mean hate that, to say it, I clearly don't play Mass Effect, so. Well, yeah, and I mean, like, that plays off of, you know, the whole relationship you build up with Morden throughout Mass Effect 2 and then Mass Effect 3. Like, you know, this is a significant sacrifice. It's not just, oh, it's a character, you know, and he's giving his life for the greater good. Like, no, like, this is your friend. This is your friend who uh-huh. you've fought beside, who you've developed a relationship with, and now you have to let him go and let him do what he wants to do. Oh, it's oh, yeah. just really That's hard. like the best way to do it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, let's see. Um, I I feel like I would be disparaging so much of like Doctor Who by even trying to to go that route. But there were episodes and moments that had me like crying and absolutely mm-hmm. devastated um, more than once. Uh Gosh, I feel like I should be okay. If you are planning on watching Doctor Who, anything after Chris Eccleston, uh, spoiler. Uh, Obviously, spoilers it, you know, for all of the media. Spoiler, that... spoiler for everything. Um, yeah, but you know, so uh, Rose when she gets mm-hmm. stuck uh, in the other uh, parallel universe. Oh, um, yeah. When when uh, Rory and uh, Amy. Uh, are gone when <laughs> there's this last episode that we see river uh and it is known to be like the last episode uh, the last time that river sees the doctor and um i watched that episode by myself because i was going through peter capaldi mm-hmm. alone um and it was just like this devastating moment once you understand what's happening mm-hmm. and you understand what's being said about what's going on in that episode um she actually is told that uh, she knows by her journaling that this is the last time that she sees him. And he, the whole episode, he was trying to convince her that he was the doctor because this is the first time she's seen him in that uh, transformation. Mm -hmm. And she finally like, like knows it's her doctor. And then she knows that she finds out the planet they're on. She finds out that this is the last time she's supposed to see him. And she actually like asks, something about like okay well let's spend this night together then and then they the time works differently on that planet Mm -hmm. so so it actually ends up being like years worth of a day like it's it's crazy which is why it's the last time she sees him because it's the last like day but it's yeah like in her time it's much it it was devastating i was like bawling my eyes out (laughs) alone over uh, River Song and Peter Capaldi's Doctor, I was losing my mind. Um, I it, even now, like I'm, a, I'm afraid to watch that episode because I uh, like to watch things. I, I love to watch my fandoms and and shows and stuff, but I always like make jokes about um, there's something in my eye or oh there's something something must be in my eye or oh my 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 eyes are leaking. This is this is stupid. Or I'll say things like. Why are we watching this? What, what, are, what are we? Why are we watching this? What are we doing? Why? Why do we even watch this stuff? Subjecting because ourselves to exactly. I'm always making jokes about how, like, why? Why do we do this to ourselves? But that's like, uh, it's a running joke. One of these days, we will make a sign that goes above our our television in our living room that just says like. Uh, I think I actually say, why are we watching this shit? Uh, so that's that's probably what the sign will say is why yeah. we're watching this. Yeah, I mean, because like, it's just so very like, uh, why do we do this to ourselves? 
Yeah, like literally yesterday, um, I had been putting off a certain quest in Cyberpunk because I know that Jackie dies during the heist. And Jackie is just like a fantastic character. And I've just been putting off, like literally doing all these little side gigs and everything like that. And it finally got to the point where it's like, okay, like I'm really just... I'm really dragging this out a lot more than necessary. You have to do it. Yeah, yeah and I have to do it. And I'm like, uh, earlier this week, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I went in and I literally just started doing side jobs again. So yesterday <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm about to subject myself to the psychological torture of watching Jackie die. All right, so let, let's do this. Let's do it. I finally did it, though. I finally did it. First time. Ah, I got through was it. Was it epic? It was very cry? sad. I, I almost did. I, I mean, I've, I had seen it before, so it's not like the first time, but it is really, really sad. Especially like um, if you go and talk to his girlfriend, Misty, before and then after. And then when you um, are talking to him and he mentions her and everything, because apparently they had a little bit of a fight about this job before before you go and do Aww. it. Because, like, you know, okay. she knew that it wasn't going to turn out right. And... But he was just like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. And, like, during the mission, like, towards the end, like, he's wounded and you're in the last elevator. And he's like, you know, Misty was right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's just like, Aww. oh, like, why didn't we listen? This is such a crap job. Why did we do this? This is terrible. <laughs> it's the most terrible plan ever, honestly. Anyway, um, getting a little off track because you had mentioned Doctor Who. And, like, I haven't watched near as much Doctor Who as you have. I'm, I'm still working on it. Um, I'm uh-huh. in I'm in Tenet right now. I'm still in Tenet. I'm working my way through. But the very, very first thing I ever saw with Doctor Who actually gave me the most major feels ever. And I can't wait to get to this episode, but I know it's a little ways off yet. But it's the Van Gogh episode. Um, yes. Because uh. Van, Van Gogh is like one of my favorite artists. And so... You know, I'm I'm aware of his life and like what it was like and his, the depression that he dealt with and you know just the fact that he really didn't quite get the recognition that he was well deserved before he passed. Like you know, he passed before like all of his stuff like kind of blew up and he got uh, you know like every everybody loves his work now and it's like you know he he didn't get to see that he didn't get to see the result of all of you know all of the love that he poured into these canvases and. You know, getting to see him come forward in time and see that and see that it's all worth it. It was just, it, it was like, I'm not even in this fandom yet. And I'm like, I'm, I'm already bawling, <laughs> you know, because it's just right, such right. a great moment. It's so wonderful. Well, yeah. And so um, actually, uh, very recently, we went to a Van Gogh exhibit where they talk about um, how he saw beauty in so many different things and now mm-hmm. his paintings are some of the most recognizable stylistically mm-hmm. um, that people see um, the immersion event that was here in Milwaukee recently was called Beyond Van Gogh and it um, had it so that the paintings and like the style of the paintings were uh, projected onto the walls and the floor um, and they like moved and changed uh, in the oh, room wow. it was it was a really neat experience it was actually really cool mm-hmm. um, I like wanted more like I wanted to be able to sit on the floor and just live there for five hours but um, you know it's uh, we're in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> yeah I didn't have uh, that much money to be able to do it that way <laughs> so I just spent the one hour um, but it was it was a really neat experience and then um, even uh, Jason the whole time was talking about how how well they portrayed Van Gogh in that episode mm-hmm. the uh, especially just like the the, the quotes that he had to his brother, uh, mm-hmm. I believe his brother's name was Theo, 
too are are kind of showcased in in the show and they talk about like how he expressed like how he just felt like he still needed to be doing these things and doing more um Mm -hmm. and to be like getting it getting it down like uh chronicling what he was able to see and how Mm -hmm. he saw it not to like but there's also a couple other doctor who moments i want to just mention because i i can't like not i mean really there's so many (laughs) moments yeah yeah but like when when you find out what's happening with donna her last episode i i mean they really kick you in the feels like when you're saying bye to companions just about Mm -hmm. every single time Oh, yeah. um, and and otherwise too, uh, Mickey and Danny Pink and I could we could do a whole episode. Oh my on, gosh, uh, Doctor Who feels for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're not going to though. Uh, let's do. I I feel like there's moments like that though with dying and with death so much. Like our fandoms always prepare us for death. I know. In that way. And I mean, really, um, when you're kids, when you start out, you kind of start that way. I mean, obviously, you know, we joke with Disney with the dead parents and everything like that, but. Really, for me, some of the saddest moments came from Don Bluth movies when I was growing up. I know. We learn, like, we learn so, so early uh, that death is sad, but mm-hmm. almost, like, inevitable, I suppose. So, like, yeah. you know, in All Dogs Go to Heaven, when, I can't even remember his name, but when he's going to heaven and, like, he does, he, you didn't even, like, want to like him throughout most yeah. of the movie. He was such a, he was so, like, hardcore. <laughs> through so much of it and then and then you're like in love with him and he's he's got to go when he doesn't want to go and it's oh gosh or uh land before time yes oh my gosh with the with his mom and everything and then oh uh, it's that that was like one of my favorite movies growing up but that was always like the hardest part of the movie to watch was that whole sequence and it's like oh but do we have to do i have to watch this again i think i ended up fast forwarding through it a lot <laughs> Because I was like, I, yeah. I really don't need this right now. <laughs> like, I, I was about five or so. Like, I, I don't need this. We could say the same thing for a lot of the Disney movies, too. When they oh, touch yeah. on death, when they touch on... Mm-hmm. When they kind of give you, like, origin stories for people or, or animals, as it were. Yeah. Um, just, like, death. Learning learning how to deal mm-hmm. with that. Learning how people you care about dealt with that or, or characters you cared about. Um I wanted to go to Firefly real quick, too. Um, mm-hmm. Firefly uh, really caught me when uh, when Wash dies. Um, yeah. That's, that's I, another I, one. I, I was wrecked then, too. I, I had no idea how Zoe was going to go on. And then I was just so, like, the rest of the episodes, I didn't have that, like, playful banter with him anymore. So, well, that and, was and in I the movie, was only so. A couple. Okay, okay, yeah. So I watched the movie first. So did I. And then That's I went back happened. and watched the episodes. And yeah, so like so like I was I was uh, devastated because I was mm-hmm. like wanting more and hoping that there'd be another movie and hoping that there'd be more going on. But then when that happened, I was like I think mm, they lost not. me on the end of the movie. Yeah. I I was just uh, It's uh, so weird because I'm, like I'm still watch- upset about that movie because um they I wanted more like I wanted more of the Reavers I wanted more uh backstory I wanted another movie I wanted more like yeah even now um we actually used to talk to Emily about that because she loved Firefly and I'd be yeah. like I'd be like I don't I, I'd love it more if there was more of it I uh, I was I was I always had such a hard time with the whole thing because like ugh. oh no that, that's it's totally like, valid cause, heartbreak like, because, like, you you know, you watch the movie and obviously it's, you know, kind of 
I mean, it's good, but it's like a little bit of a downer just because, you know, the people that you lose and everything. And then you go and watch the series and it's like, yes, this. More of this, not that, but More this. More of this, please. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose it had to happen. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, so so that was Firefly. I talked about Doctor Who. Um, those are my two big ones. We're, we're done now. No, okay. <laughs> Um, um, obviously, Marvel has given us a lot of like really feelsy moments too, both good feels and bad feels moments. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. Oh, and, I mean, as so, much as as much as like I don't like the the Phase Four movies and stuff like that, I you know I gotta admit like Endgame did get me with a couple of moments with uh, when Steve actually Gret was able to use the hammer. I was just like. That was like the just the best feels moment, and then when he actually finally yes. said "Avengers Assemble" when they've been teasing it out for so long, I was like, "Yes!" Uh-huh. Like, oh, that was just such a really good just like feels moment. And then like obviously you know they whip you they whiplash you around with Tony and everything, and it's just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's like why 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 do we why do we do this why do we submit ourselves why to, do we do this to, to the to psychological torture? <laughs> it's just no, <laughs> no, but yes, give I, me more. <laughs> yes. I concur with Tony. Um, I actually was constantly saying I didn't even like him throughout most of the movies. Mm-hmm. And then um, it, what happened happened, and I, I was I was quite sad. I, I'm that person in the movie theaters or on my couch who screams at the television mm-hmm. or uh, the movie screen, and I have done an awful lot of screaming. Um <laughs> There's a moment in the first Avengers movie where uh, Captain America, and I don't really know, I, I think I was like Team Cap before it was cool, like before <laughs> I even knew anything about any of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, I, uh, what I've said a couple times, when, the first time I watched the, Avenger, the first Avengers movie, I was on a date. It was a date that only went for the one date. Like, it was awful. <laughs> we, went, we went to Culver's and we went and saw a movie. And um, just so everybody knows, if you're going to go on a date for a first date, do not go see a movie. Go 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 get coffee. Go talk uh, on a trail. Like, go, go for a walk somewhere. Or go do something where you can get to know the person. Because you don't get to know a person when you're watching something like the first Avengers movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and eat, trying to eat burgers at Culver's beforehand. It's just not... I don't know. It, it just isn't, isn't a good recipe for a first date. Yeah. However... I, I guess I fell in love with Cap uh, on that date instead of, you know, anybody else. <laughs> and the um, there's a, a quote that makes me scream even now. And at the time that I saw the first movie, I was an atheist. And I um, there's a moment where Cap uh, is talking about Thor. Mm-hmm. And I believe um, either Black, I think it might be Black Widow, who tells Cap that he can't go running after Thor and Loki because these guys are basically gods or something mm-hmm. like that. And he, whoever it is tells Thor, like, you can't... Maybe maybe it's... I can't remember who's in the in the twin jet at the time. But whoever it is says, you can't go after them. These guys are basically gods. And Cap says, well, where I come from, there's only one god and he doesn't look like that or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, then, and then he jumps off the plane after them. Mm-hmm. And that As first time do. I saw it... I, Right. I, I thought nothing of it. I, I think I like completely missed the line. But then I um, joined a church and, um, you know, found my faith or however you want to say it. But 
then like saw the movie afterwards and heard that line and screamed every time <laughs> because it, it's it's so it's delivered so perfectly in my opinion and uh-huh. each time it just makes me like squeal uh like a little girl because every time i i hear cap say it or steve say it i'm just like oh yay <laughs> yeah Love i mean it. Yeah, totally. I, there's there's so many like just great little moments throughout Avengers and the whole like Marvel universe where like you know obviously there's the big moments that kind of appeal to most people, and then there's like lots of little moments sprinkled throughout that like not everybody will grab onto and latch onto, but they're there for other people, you know. Like like you know it, it'll be special for some people, maybe not everybody, but some people definitely, and that's what's important. Right. Well, yeah. I, I mean. I guess that's kind of like the spice of life to, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're watching like a kid's show and uh, someone makes a joke and it's clearly like a joke that's going to go way over your kid's head, but Mm -hmm. you got it. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that they put that in there. Wow. (laughs) And it's hilarious. But at the same time, you're like, oh, I'm so glad that my kid didn't get that joke. (laughs) It was a little, it's a little risque there. Yeah. Um, Speaking of kid shows, though, um, there's a couple of shows that like have really delivered well on the feels I think you know and I've waxed poetic so so long about Batman the animated series but seriously y'all it's just so fantastic and the writing is just amazing um but one of the and I mean obviously I could cite Heart of Ice as having so many feels in it because it does especially like the very end of it um where Mr. Freeze is you know saying basically that he feels that he failed his wife and he's you know he starts to cry and it's especially poignant considering early in the earlier in the episode where he says you know oh if i had but tears to shed basically saying you know they're all frozen within me you know basically saying right. he can't cry and then at the end he does very very poignant and very impactful but really like one of the ones that got me was the episode about baby doll where it's this actress who you know doesn't really like age so she still looks like a little girl even though she's you know a grown adult and you know she she acts out and she's you know kidnaps these people and she's trying to like you know pull off this scheme and whatever and you know she's running by this funhouse mirror that somehow i mean this is like obviously cartoon world so you know we pretend that this is a feasible thing but it shows her as like what she would look like if she had actually like physically grown up and she just stopped and it's just this wonderfully sad and poignant moment where it's like, that could be me. That could have been me, but it's not. I'll always forever be this. You know, and it's just, oh, it's this wonderful little moment. And it's like, yo, you're not supposed to make me feel things for villains, but Paul Dini, I swear, he just has such a talent for doing it. Although I'm not sure if he wrote that particular episode, though I wouldn't be surprised if he did, because a lot of the episodes in the animated series that like kind of tug on your heartstrings like that he somehow had a hand in it i swear he just Ah. it's just his signature it's like even even if i don't know for sure i'm like "Mm, that that feels like a dini moment that feels like a dini episode sure sure (laughs) yeah i feel that way with stephen moffat and doctor who as well Mm -hmm. um so i totally get it um i wanted to talk about star wars uh there have been quite a few moments uh with not just the Star Wars movies, but also Mandalorian Mm -hmm. and uh, Rebels, um, where, you know, I was definitely almost positive that I wasn't going to have any problems watching uh, a 
you know, like a cartoon. And it turns <laughs> out there's a lot of issues. Um, yeah. With Star Wars and me getting the feels, um, you know, screaming when at the end of that last uh, Mandalorian episode, we get to see someone who looks an awful lot like, um, well, I, I, it turns out I think he's a CGI. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, they kind of yeah, CGI'd him up. They CGI'd him. And before that, there were jo- there were jokes about people saying that Sebastian Stan should play him because yeah. of how like similar their faces and the and the they markups really were looking. Yeah, and I really was still kind of like hoping that it was, even though you know then I it it, it was proven that it wasn't. But yeah. that's fine. I still wanted it to be. Um, but you know, like screaming at your television when you see the the lightsaber and know it's him, and as well as. Uh, bawling my eyes out when we saw Leia Mm -hmm. um, pass away and knowing that Luke was gone at the end of the last Star Wars movie, Mm -hmm. Rise of Skywalker, I was uh, I I did an awful lot of screaming and crying in that (laughs) that movie Um, just an awful lot of it and there are moments in Rebels too. Like, there's just mm-hmm. too many to list. I could do oh a gosh, whole episode yeah. on that too. That and the Clone Wars. We have to like. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not as far in, in Clone Wars as I'm supposed to be. I am still um, pretty close to Order sixty six. I Oof. don't That's think I've gonna seen be... enough. Um, I think I've been like kind of postponing getting mm-hmm. back into it because I'm scared and worried and. Um, my fiance keeps telling me you need you need to go further. Like you need to you need to you need to keep on because mm-hmm. I've watched Rebels. I've watched everything else other than like Bad Batch and and Clone Wars. So I really need to get there. Uh, I can't watch Bad Batch until I watch Clone Wars. Apparently, oh, yeah. so I I want to do it. It's just like I I'm I'm postponing it. It's so, just you know what's coming, and so yeah. Well. You want to avoid it <laughs> for a little while. I've done so much, like, crying and and shouting and screaming at this, you know, like, universe that's not even real. Uh, that really... Uh, why? Uh, once again, you know what? We should really name this episode, Why Do We Do This To Ourselves? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because okay, it's so just... so what else? Um, let's see. Oh, um... I have a couple of other things in my notes. Uh, a smaller okay. one, uh, smaller one. I think we can go over real quick. Um, the series Gargoyles, which is streaming on Disney Plus, um, so Aww. it is accessible out there for y'all if you want to go watch it. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, one of the pro, uh, antagon- want to relive your childhoods or something yes. like that. Yes, um, but one of the antagonists <laughs> is Demona, um, who is a gargoyle who was with the clan, and you know she tried to. She betrayed the clan trying to, like, make a better life for them, but obviously it did not work that way, and so she's basically been on the run for hundreds of years, and she, um, you know, has turned into, you know, in trying to get her vengeance, she's kept turning, making things worse for herself, and worse in general. You know, it's just this, like, self-fulfilling prophecy of, oh, these humans are crap, these humans are just, they're terrible, and yet she keeps doing devil's deals with them in order to get back at them, and it keeps backfiring, and... It's like you're you're proving your own point, Demona. But um, there's this uh, wonderful, wonderful moment, um, and I can't remember the exact episode. But um, she has basically set this uh, type of it's like a type of chemical weapon that will essentially like kill the humans 
and not the gargoyles. It will spare the gargoyles. And, you know, they're, the gargoyles are trying to disarm it and everything, but she's locked it with a passcode. And, you know, they don't really have the time to, you know, go all hacker elite and try to, like, you know, figure out what her passcode is or try to find it or get around it or whatever. And um, she... So the weird, the weird sisters help the gargoyles because obviously, you know, what she's trying to do is not good and everything like that. And so um, they kind of like tra- mentally trap her in this like kind of haze to where she's conscious and everything. But like, you know, she she's she's not as reserved. So it's, it's almost like a dream state of her own. So she's, you know, more open and everything, but she's not like fully conscious of like what she's really saying even though she's saying like what she's actually thinking and so basically that like filter and that barrier is gone and so the weird sisters are basically like challenging her and saying like trying to show her that you know you need to give us the code and so they're like you know she's saying like well humans are terrible and you know they betrayed my clan and they killed them all and they're like well who betrayed the gargoyles you know who betrayed the clan you know who betrayed them to the vikings you know basically like getting calling her out on her own circular thinking and going back to that and, you know, circling back to, you know, no, you know, you helped start this, you helped kickstart this, you know, because she's been in this obvious state of denial of her own actions and the consequences of those actions. And she finally realizes it during this state. And, you know, Goliath begs with her, please give me the access code. And she finally says the access code is alone. And it's just this impactful moment that is like, you really see past Demona and all of this bluster that she puts up and you really get a glimpse of what she's really like. And we don't obviously don't have a whole lot of time to really go into it. Uh, But the YouTuber Melina Pendulum did a fantastic video on it. It's called One Villainous Scene, Demona is Alone. And I, she's a fantastic YouTuber in general. I highly recommend her go check out her stuff. Um, but yeah, she addresses this one scene and it's writing and it's portrayal of the character. And it's, it's really fantastic. Like how deep this scene got without like seeming like it got that way. Like you have, like, obviously there's a surface that's of what's going on, but when you really dissect it, you realize what's actually going on beneath it. And it's, uh, it's just so good y'all. And this isn't a kid's show. Like, you, you can't tell me that, you know, kids aren't going to get it or it's too much. You know, we don't want to make kids, you know, think too much or whatever. Like, no, like we were watching this stuff when we were growing up and we're just fine. Like, I, I think kids can handle a lot more than we give them credit for. Well, yeah, I mean, we basically have to uh, make sure we are still raising our children. Like, yeah. Like, we have this immersion <laughs> in these fandoms, but you still have to be able to, like, bring your questions to the real world and uh cope (laughs) yeah like you know there there were some really real issues in batman the animated series and gargoyles and x-men the animated series that you know it all got brought up and addressed in some way and it's like y'all we can still have that like you know there were there were some fun flashy adventures sure but it's like we can have both there can be a balance you know well, right, exactly. And that's like, I almost feel like that's kind of like the theme of children's shows is just to like address those things so that you, uh, you know, can, there's a relation to real life. Like we, we teach our children um, these things in their fantasy world so that they can 
relate them to what's really going to be going on later on in their lives. Right? Oh, oh yeah. No, totally. Not that I wanted, <laughs> not that I wanted, you know, Mr. Rogers to parent me, but he sometimes was a better parent. <sighs> no. <laughs> Rest in peace to my parents, but <laughs> Mr. Rogers was great, and I yeah. learned a lot from him. And that was a, tele- a children's television show, and I, I feel like yeah. he did okay. With oh me. yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I mean, the whole thing like it kind of circles around to you know stories that stick with you, which is you know kind of exactly what Sam Gamgee says in the Two Towers, where. You know, when you're little and you grow up, there are certain stories that stick with you, even if you don't quite understand why they do. Like, they resonate with something in you, even if you can't name it. Even if, like, you know, mentally you don't quite get it, you know that something of value and substance is there. And, you know, that's, you know, like another, like, feels moment for me, especially as a writer, because it's like, you know, the importance of stories and how stories can be very important is really resonated just in this one little bit of dialogue in in the two towers and it's mm, it's so perfect just like you know oh, just chef's kiss <laughs> just how <laughs> how perfectly it's portrayed like you know how important these stories are to to us to just getting through our day-to-day like you know believing in certain things and being able to see that we aren't alone in our struggles and that there are people and out there that experience these same things and you know that we can all we can do this and we can do this together so it's right ah it's just so good y'all it's so good we just started (laughs) uh speaking of um the actor who plays samwise gamgee Mm -hmm. um we recently started watching a uh we started watching stranger things with ash and Mm -hmm. um there's a moment where his character um has quite a you're on your toes the whole episode and Mm -hmm. then something happens and I'm still hoping that you're actually going to watch Stranger Things so I'm not going to spoil it for you. However, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, his character's name is Bob and he, you you get to love him through the whole season and it's a a moment. Uh, I feel like that actor um, basically has moments where you get to love him and he's, he's like, he's like the solid ride or die. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, I, I screamed a lot at my television that episode too. Ah, I gave too much away, didn't I? Whoops. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's worth watching. Like these relationships are so worth watching, even if they are going to make make you have the feels yeah. afterwards. Because I I think some of the great things about art is that it makes you feel something. You know, and the yes. something could be good, it could be bad, it could be a mixture. But, you know, feeling that feeling is kind of what connects us. It connects us all to a shared experience, you know. And it's, you know, kind of like this, just this moment where it's like, you know, you, you feel that, you know, obviously other people are watching this, are consuming this, and are, you know, feeling what you're feeling, watching what you're watching. And it's it's a great way to just you know bond with people you know obviously not first date material but you know once you get to know (laughs) once you get to really like know somebody and everything you know there are some movies I think that are great to watch together to kind of talk about afterwards and be able to you know get to know them even further so like I don't know maybe like fifth date tenth date something like that 
After a bunch marriage. of talking in between, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, fandom, marriage, uh, Netflix, and actually chilling. Um, yeah. No, I get it. All right. Anything else we need to make sure that we talk about that gave us the feels? Uh, I think that was about it for what, for at least for what I have noted. I mean, obviously, there's so many other moments that, like, y'all, I mean, if, if we really covered everything and we're we're already, like, 40-plus minutes, like, like, we'd probably we be here for whole, hours. <laughs> I think we'd have a whole series on it, honestly. Yeah. We'd have to divide it up by, yeah. by fandom. <laughs> so, that being said, if you guys do want us to do a whole episode on fandom moments that gave us the feels from a particular fandom um you know uh, you could make me watch uh supernatural over again that, that could be a fun sort of torture um or anything else that we could possibly think of we would love to do it so let us know um on any of the normal channels that you could tell us uh what you want to hear from us and thanks for uh joining us on beauties and head cannons with that i'm Lindsay. And I'm Tegan, and thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Head Cannons.